This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Good Friday afternoon. Welcome to today's edition of On Target. Jerry Lynn Mackey guest hosting today for VOCM's Linda Swain. And boy, have we got a show on tap for you today. My guest is Health Minister Tom Osborne. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you so much, Minister, for taking time to have an in-depth conversation. I know there's a lot going on in healthcare across the province, and you're relatively new to the role. You've been in the portfolio in the past, but I mean, just coming into it, uh, what a month now yep I'm uh, just about a full month uh, at this stage there you go um, you know so there's uh, a lot to learn um, even though I've been in the portfolio before and many things are are the same as they were 17 years ago in in terms of the needs and uh, uh, so on there are things that are, are different uh, different pressures uh, we know that there is a uh, uh, a shortage of health professionals globally. Uh, every province in Canada is dealing with diversions of emergency rooms and, you know, people not being able to see a doctor. Um, you know, so that same pressure is in this province and, uh, you know, we need to deal with it. We need to get better at recruitment than we are, obviously. Uh, we need to get more competitive than our, our neighboring provinces and uh, we need to fill those positions so that the healthcare workers who've put in a tremendous amount of dedication and effort, especially during the pandemic and the cyber attack, uh, they've lifted a, a heavy load for the people of the province in providing healthcare, and we need to get people with them side by side to help lift that load. Yeah, you mentioned the cyber attack. Uh, any update there? Anything you can tell us on that front? Well, uh, government and the health authorities, uh, OCIO, are putting additional measures in place to uh, protect uh, government, to protect our health records. Um, you know, these types of things happen regardless of its, you know, it's happened to uh, governments around the world. It has happened to some of the biggest corporations in the world. And as quick as a government or a corporation can put uh, measures in place to protect against cyber attacks. Uh, they, the hackers, and, and these are professional organizations in a lot of cases, um, update their technologies as well and try to get around the, the protections that are in place. So you've got to constantly stay ahead of it. It's not something, you know, you can plan for, uh, you know, in its entirety because some of the biggest, most secure companies in the world have faced it. You need to plan the best you can. You need to constantly upgrade your protections. Uh, you need to, to keep uh, upgrading. But as quick as governments or corporations upgrade, the hackers upgrade. It's like a constant game of one-upmanship, really. It is. It is. Uh, do you, has the government released information on, on, on whether or not we paid off a ransom to uh, open up the cyber or the information? Uh, that's something that, you know, we have been advised that, you know, should not be in the public realm because, uh, you know, the uh, government and the health authorities are dealing with the, the situation. But to provide information in that regard would only provide information to 
uh, to hackers, uh, other hackers, maybe the same hackers, uh, in in where we are and and what we're doing. So, you know, th there has to be some safeguards in our protection as well in order to keep it as a protection. Absolutely, and I mean, getting back to your sort of relative newness in this portfolio, what are you hopeful about when it comes to the problems that you would like to address, or you know, the concerns that you have as minister? Well, I think the biggest uh, thing we need to focus on is ensuring that we have the care that people need, where they need it, when they need it. And one of the obstacles in overcoming that at this particular time is putting the healthcare professionals in place. Uh, the Premier has opened a, an office of recruitment and retention. Uh, we've just staffed that up. We're putting additional staff in that office. I know the health authorities have put additional resources in place uh, to focus on recruitment and retention. We've met with all health authorities uh, twice now, uh, several discussions with them outside of the, the formal meetings um, in you know, becoming better at uh, retention and, and better at recruitment. Uh, you know, those are some of the biggest challenges we face when you look at diversions of, of uh, our Category B hospitals in the province. Uh, the emergency rooms. You know, as I mentioned earlier, we're no different than other provinces. We've seen in other provinces major hospitals, ac acute care uh, hospitals, having emergency center diversions. Um, you know, in this province, uh, at this stage, it's been our Category B uh, that have been on diversion uh, from the uh, emergency department. So, you know, other uh, people in the province are not concerned about what other provinces are, are facing or the challenges they have. They're concerned about the challenges we have. And we need to focus on and do a better job of recruitment and retention. And, you know, in on that front, government has recently announced an incentives program for uh, registered nurses in the province. I know that it's going to be in place until October. Is that right? And then it'll be reevaluated? No. So the... the the opportunity for a nurse to sign on to the retention bonus and provide a one-year in uh, return in service is open until October 31st. Uh, so they've got until now, uh, from now until October 31st, to say that they will guarantee us a, a year in service uh, and accept the retention bonus. Um, there's also bonuses uh, for the registered nurses union in terms of uh, bringing casuals and making them either permanent full-time or permanent part-time. Uh, there are locum uh, incentives for uh, Labrador, you know, the, the traveling nurses, for example. Um, the, uh, we've, we've reinstated the signing bonuses for all, uh, all of the health disciplines that they were available to and, and enhanced them. Uh, so signing bonuses for a number of disciplines in our health care uh, range from anywhere from five thousand to twenty thousand dollars in in terms of uh, assigning bonus, there are bursaries put in place for a number of disciplines, and we are working. Uh, we've had a number of discussions with the leadership of NAEP on uh, LPNs and and PCAs and so on in uh, and and their other disciplines. Uh, we've had uh, discussions and meetings with Allied Health. And we've had discussions with QP and, and uh, uh, arranging meetings so that they, th these other bargaining units are also working uh, to, with government 
to get incentives and, and retention bonuses for their healthcare disciplines. So those discussions are underway now? Those discussions are underway as we speak. How are they going? Good, good. Um, you know, I always, I, I enjoy the relationship that I have with the leadership of our public sector unions. Um, I find, you know, when I was Minister of Health, that was always very respectful dialogue. And, and uh, you know, when I was Minister of Finance, in collective bargaining, it was very respectful dialogue. Now that I'm back in health, you know, I, I find that it's respectful dialogue. And I think, you know, that's the best way to accomplish what we need to accomplish is, is uh, having productive and, and respectful discussions. Paramedics of the province, and as you mentioned, LPNs, I mean, is that is that something that you're working towards in terms of recruitment and this incentive package in these talks? Yeah, it, it is, absolutely. Uh, both of those groups are... Uh, members of uh, you know our public sector unions um, and we are working with uh, NAEP for example uh, Allied Health CUPE to ensure that the incentive package is for the health disciplines that um, there is a significant recruitment and retention challenge so it is it is the health di disciplines where we have a a recruitment and retention challenge uh, that we're focused on do you think that's the biggest challenge facing healthcare in this province is recruitment and retention? There are a number of challenges. That is one of the bigger challenges. Um, you know, we've in in Newfoundland and Labrador, we spend uh, one of the highest, if not the highest, per capita in the country on healthcare, and we've got one of the worst outcomes. So wellness and you know people taking responsibility for their own health, you know, diet, exercise, all of these things help. Um, you know, but we do have, I mean, uh, I love my salt beef uh, jigs dinner as well. Uh, you know, we all do. We're <laughs> I do too, yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, but everything in, in balance, obviously, but there are challenges in terms of the outcomes we have in this province in improving those outcomes. The premier, uh, the former minister of health, Minister Haggie, had the foresight to put in place the Health Accord NL uh, which will be a roadmap to a better healthcare system in Newfoundland and Labrador. And that's the long term. And we will have time to talk a little bit more about the Health Accord as well. Minister Osborne is my guest today as I sit in for Linda Swain on On Target. Stay with us. When we come back, I'm going to be asking Minister Osborne a little bit about nurse practitioners on your VOCM. Weekdays on VOCM, it's Open Line with your host, Patty Daly. Join the conversation each morning from 9 a.m. to noon on your VOCM. We get people talking. Good Friday afternoon. Welcome back to On Target. Jerry Lynn Mackey sitting in for VOCM's Linda Swain. Thank you so much for joining me here today. And thank you to Minister Tom Osborne, Minister of Health, for joining me in person, in studio. It's always great to have you in the hot seat. <laughs> it's always great to be here. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. Well, uh, when we left off, I said I was going to ask a little bit about nurse practitioners. I know that government in Newfoundland and Labrador, well, there's been calls to introduce this nurse practitioner-led, these clinics, for years. So any update there? Well, I mean, we are looking at part of the, the Health Accord NL talks about uh, having all of our health disciplines work to their full scope of practice. So obviously we are looking at uh, each health discipline, having them work to their full scope of practice. Uh, the collaborative care clinics is a team approach. Uh, we put a number of pilot, uh, in, uh, pilot clinics in place throughout the, the province. Um, they seem to be working very, very well uh, as a collaborative team and that team approach. And, 
you know, we are still in dialogue with uh, the NLMA and the uh, the other health disciplines, our health authorities, in how those uh, collaborative care clinics are working. Uh, if we need to make improvements in areas, uh, we will, but it is something that the Premier has uh, committed to expanding throughout the province and, and one of the, uh, the areas where he's asked me to focus on as well. And do you see that as a short-term solution, I guess, to, you know, the lack of physicians? Well, it's part of the solution. Uh, part of the solution, you know, the the incentives that we've provided to the NLMA, the rural uh, bonuses, uh, the other incentives for our doctors in the province, the agreement just recently reached uh, with the NLMA is part of the solution. It's not going to solve everything. It's part of the solution. The incentive package with the registered nurses union is part of the solution. Yeah. Uh, recruitment and retention is part of the solution. Those incentive po- uh, packages feed into recruitment and retention, but not one of these solutions in and of itself is going to solve everything, but they're all a building block in a, in a larger solution. Full court press kind of thing. Uh, when it comes to the consideration of billing to MCP, I mean, would would legislation have to change in order for that to come to fruition? That's, you know, it, it's uh, something that's worthy of much greater discussion with the college, uh, with the association of uh, nurse practitioners and with the, you know, with, with our other health disciplines, the, the health authorities. You know, it, it's obviously something that has to be investigated. It, it, it is something that, uh, uh, you know, there are um, uh, potential benefits to. So it, it will take a greater discussion to get us to a finish point in terms of that. Are there any collaborative care clinics set up in the province right now? There are, yes. So there are three in St. John's. Um, there is in Central and I believe in Western as well. And my understanding is these are working well. All health disciplines um, are working well together in these collaborative care clinics. And one of the challenges we've had in the past is if, if a physician, uh, a family doctor retired um, and nobody replaced that family doctor, uh, that roster of patients were left without a family doctor. As part of a collaborative team, they, you know, if, if there is a turnover of one of the individuals in that team complement, uh, the, the patient still has the collaborative team, the remainder of the team that oversee them and they're not left without that you know that that uh, physician or their care provider and they would able to seek some primary care at least yeah well the the the, the collaborative care team uh, the patient uh, belong to the collaborative care team so when they go in it's not just one doctor that take on the patient it's the team that take on the patient so if we have a turnover in one of the individuals the the patient still has the team that they can rely on and it doesn't leave somebody in limbo if a physician retires or moves out of the province uh, and and there's no replacement what's the timeline on setting up i don't know more of these collaborative care clinics we are focused on that uh, based on you know the the successes within the collaborative care teams now and and the clinics uh, it's certainly you know a way of the future 
And now let's switch gears a little bit, although, of course, still around the topic of health care in general. Um, Minister Osborne, I noticed that uh, on the Gander Municipal website, the Gander Council has released an outline of their concerns as of yesterday uh, as it pertains to the health accord. Now, some of those concerns include the possible elimination of obstetrical services at James Payton Memorial, air ambulance concerns as it relates to I guess Gander being a strategic location with infrastructure at Gander International Airport Authority. Uh, They're also highlighting the moratorium on capital expenditures on long-term care centers, and they are looking for more detail around the proposed Center of Excellence on Aging uh, proposed for Gander, as well as more specifics on critical health infrastructure in rural communities and how that sort of fits into the community hospital model. Um, The council has actually a quote here. They say, our council recognizes the current health care crisis we are facing, and we appreciate the Health Health Accord's efforts to reimagine health care. However, some of the suggestions and recommendations concern them greatly. What do you have to say to councillors in Gander who are raising this? I understand their concerns, and any time you have change, that change comes with apprehension. People don't always know what the end result is going to look like uh, and you know that can cause some concerns but I will say that Dr. Pat Parfrey, Sister Elizabeth Davis have done a phenomenal job with the health accord. Um, health delivery, the design of our health care system has to be reimagined so that you know we're not putting the most money in and getting the worst outcomes as we currently have at the moment. You know that the, the health care system Uh, I meet regularly with Dr. Pat Parfrey. He's been brought in as a deputy minister uh, responsible for the implementation of the health accord. Uh, Meet with with him and Dave Diamond uh, on a regular basis of, you know, looking at uh, the the progression of the implementation of the health accord. With that, you know, I understand the concerns that Gander is raising and, and certainly, you know, open to working with and meeting with Gander as we move through this. Um, change, as I said, always brings some apprehension with it, uh, but this is designed to bring about stronger uh, health facilities in, you know, if you look at Gander and Grand Falls being literally 45 minutes apart, uh, you know, two uh, major health centers in the province, um, with, with, you know, a changing demographic, changing populations, uh, we need to ensure that both of those centers are the strongest that they can be. And when you look at competencies, for example, in certain disciplines, uh, part of the recruitment and retention is a, a doctor, a physician, a specialist, uh, or any healthcare discipline looking at uh, the level of service they're going to provide. And they want to be where they're going to be busy because it keeps their competency up. So uh, doctors are looking at the, the level of work. Um, you know, they obviously don't want to be overworked because there's a work-life balance that all healthcare professionals strive for, and government and our health authorities are reimagining healthcare to, to meet that work-life balance. But they also want to be busy enough in their own competency that they keep their competency up. And that's part of what the Health Accord envisions is building stronger centers uh, and and delivering better health care throughout the province. And 
some of it, you know, the, uh, Dr. Parfrey said that our system is still operating as it was a 1960s or 1970s healthcare system, and we need to modernize it. Fair to say you're open to, you know, further hashing this out with Gander Council. Yeah, we obviously need to have discussions, but, you know, I know that, you know, the people of the province want government to operate differently, uh, more efficiently and effectively. Uh, they want our health care system to operate more efficiently, more effectively, so that, you know, we're not having wait, you know, long waits in our emergency departments, for example, or, or long waits for, for imaging or, or diagnostics. All of these things take time to fix, but we need to fix them, and that's what the Health Accord is designed to do, is to have a, a better, more efficient healthcare system. Uh, some of that change is, uh, as I said, will bring will be a little bit apprehensive as we're going through it, but we need to go through it to have a better healthcare system. My guest today on On Target is Health Minister Tom Osborne. When we come back, I still have so many questions. There's so much to talk about. We'll get an update, hopefully, on the uh, the new Waterford. I'm still calling it that. Uh, we also have Cornerbrook Hospital that I'll be asking about. Um, a whole lot more. Stay with me on On Target on your VOCM. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And good Friday afternoon. Welcome back to On Target. Jerry Lynn Mackey on deck. My guest today is Health Minister Tom Osborne. Thank you so much for joining me in person, in studio. It's great to have you here. <laughs> Conversation flows better. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Face to face is always better. It's really true. And I think that comes through as well for the listeners. But Minister, back to the topics at hand. Is there an update when it comes to the new mental health and addictions facility that's being built here to replace the Waterford? I look out my window and I can see it coming up uh, block by block. What's the latest? It is uh, certainly we can see the progress uh, almost every day. You see progress on the building. Uh, the the building is uh, expected to be complete in November of 2024 with occupancy in March of 2025. Uh, you know, so it, it is going up very quickly um, and certainly looking forward to providing, uh, you know, more modern bricks and mortar, uh, but in addition to that, better services for uh, the patients that will require that facility. Is the project on time right now? Do you know? Am I putting you on the spot? Uh, no, it is. Uh, I understand that the, the project is on time. Um, you know, uh, oftentimes, you know, it's a good question because oftentimes you do see delays with these projects, uh, especially in a time, uh, you know, where we've gone through the, the pandemic yeah. and, you know, that has created uh, supply shortages in a number of areas. But I do understand that the project is still on target. Oh, Pardon the pun. yeah, I know. I'm like, hey, you said on target <laughs> on our show. Well, Minister also wanted to ask about Cornerbrook's Hospital. I know every time I visit the West Coast, there seems to be more progress there. Another campus-style building going up. What's the latest? So that uh, facility is expected to be complete in November of 2023, with occupancy in the spring of 2024. And are, are there any, I mean, I know there's been a constant delay on that building, on that facility, I should say. But, I mean, as of now, is everything going well with that project? I understand it is. Uh, you know, so it's uh, it's very near completion, obviously, um, you know, with uh, just over a year to go on a, a significant uh, build. 
uh, it is a significant build. Um, but I do understand that things are uh, progressing as they should on that facility as well. And, uh, you know, you look at the, the uh, current building, Western Memorial, uh, is well beyond its best before date. Uh, you know, so I know the, the residents of the Western Region are certainly looking forward to a new modernized facility uh, where, you know, traffic flows will be better, uh, services will, will be able to be provided in a better uh, way in that facility as well. The thing that stands out to me about the, you know, the whole project of that 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 building or several buildings is the fact that it is campus style is that there's several different smaller buildings that will house each department of health care and I guess that way if something becomes obsolete like if you have an x-ray building you can rebuild it next door and and then work on taking it down if it becomes obsolete because it happens fast absolutely and and you know I think that was part of the concept is you know using uh, public money better mm-hmm. to provide public services and and that facility is a significant facility and certainly leaps and bounds over the 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 existing building that's in use and it's got a great view from what i understand (laughs) the building that's going up there now the long-term care facility there is uh, the moon-shaped structure i'd like to be on the roof of that place uh minister on the topic of the amalgamation of the provincial health authorities we're still saying central health or eastern health in in the news world anyway when can when can we expect to see some movement on that front it i mean the the four health authorities as they currently exist um you know it it's a massive operation and uh, you know the premier used the uh, the term just recently it, you know it's like changing a tire on a moving vehicle and that's essentially what we are working to accomplish uh, so it does have its complexities in bringing the four together um, you know things such as information sharing and you know currently believe it or not we are still faxing documents from one health authority to another uh, the information system is old so you know even that uh, we are modernizing the health information system so that you know a clinic in one area of the province can communicate effectively in terms of health records and, and access to those health records uh, with, you know, the health sciences complex or, you know, a, a, a you know, the hospital in Gander can communicate with a, a, a smaller center in that region uh, and do it effectively. So, you know, even in terms of, of the health information system, all of these things have to be amalgamated. And that's just one example. You know, there are different technologies being used for chemotherapy in one region than there are in another. So, you know, we we have a great deal of work, but it's part of the reason for going to One Health Authority so that, you know, there is greater efficiency in terms of the equipment used, in terms of health information, in terms of the services provided. Yeah, the needs of, I guess, patients and residents that are living under the banner of Labrador Grenfell Health would be totally different from that in Eastern Health. How do you reconcile those differences? We've got, I mean, we've got a huge geography. You can fit Nova Scotia in our geography several times, you know, so it's, it's um, uh, we've got a huge geography uh, and a population, you know, of, of about 520,000 people in the province. You know, so it's the geography that creates the challenge more so than the uh, the number in terms of population yeah. 
Uh, and that geography brings with it different demographics and different cultures throughout the province as well. Um, you know, so there is a great deal of work to do in, you know, it, under One Health Authority, understanding the cultures of uh, and, and, you know, the delivery of health care for an indigenous community right. versus, you know, an urban community in, in St. John's or Cornerbrook. Um, and while there are some similarities, obviously, you know, it is complex. Uh, Dave Diamond, who was CEO of Eastern Health, is overseeing uh, the amalgamation of the four health authorities. Um, you know, a great individual to have there because he oversaw the largest health authority in, in the province. Uh, but all of our health authorities are working together uh, and collaborating on bringing together uh, under one authority. Do you think that it can be done without, you know, mass job losses or any job losses? It can, and you know, at right now we're talking about shortages in our healthcare professions. So, you know, I don't anticipate you're going to see job losses. Uh, it will create efficiencies, obviously, and synergies, and and better collaboration uh, with one region of the province uh, to another. You know, so it, it's a massive undertaking, uh, undoubtedly, uh, and to undertake the amalgamation of the health authorities is very timely with the rollout of the Health, uh, health Accord NL. You know, both of these things are happening simultaneously, and as they should, um, it, it will, that in and of itself, uh, you know, the timing of having both was uh, certainly solid foresight by the Premier uh, who designed this. And hearing you say shortages too, that that reminds me, <laughs> there there have been shortages on medical supplies across the globe. I mean, this is not just happening right here. Most recently, someone got in touch with me to say that they were hearing about a shortage in epidurals in the province's hospitals. Um, what can you tell me? Are are you hearing similar things? There are in some cases, and it's you know it, it relates back to the pandemic and and shortages of supplies. I mean, whether it's a vehicle and, and you know, the, the uh, computer chips in the vehicles, which I understand is part of the, the supply chain with vehicles. We saw it with electronics for, for a while. Uh, you know, in our province of schools, the delivery of Chromebooks was delayed because of, of uh, global shortages in, in, in those chips. But whether it's the epidurals or whether it's computer chips, uh, the pandemic has created global supply shortages in certain areas, and uh, the epidural is no different in this province than it is in in you know other countries or other jurisdictions globally. But our health authorities are working well; uh, they're managing, and they're more focused on uh, better usage uh, and better management of the supply of epidurals. Uh, it hasn't caused any concern at this stage, but they did flag it for the general public, uh, as they should, that, you know, they, they need to be uh, more conscious of how they use that resource un until supplies are replenished. Right, using it sparingly, I guess. Yes. If, if that could even be a practice, which obviously it is. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, you know patients uh, who need it will get it, uh, but there are other alternatives as opposed to just saying, you know, we'll use an epidural. Uh, there are other alternatives that may be better suited to a patient, um, you know, in 
in that time of, of need. Uh, so it's better management of the epidurals. Right, and maybe relying on other forms of relief for pain yes. if needed. Well, my goodness, we're chugging away here on On Target. My guest is Health Minister Tom Osborne. When we come back, well, I don't know if this is saving the best for last, but of course I, I do want to talk to you about the situation with the closures of emergency rooms in the province. Stay with us on On Target on your VOCM. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And welcome back to On Target. Not Linda Swain, Jerry Lynn Mackey filling in for her today. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you, Minister Osborne. Minister Tom Osborne is my guest. He is the health portfolio. You're, you're at the helm here now, Minister. Thank you so much for joining me in studio. Yeah, it's, uh, it is a pleasure. And I guess, you know, we did save the best for last. I'm using air quotes when I say that because this is probably a topic that's been ongoing throughout the province, and I know it's happening right throughout the country, but it's little constellation or it's little consolation to people who are living with the shortages. Um, emergency rooms. I mean, coming into this portfolio, what did you find? Well, you know, emergency rooms going on diversion, and it's... Uh, you know, the combination of we're in summer hours, so people are taking vacations, well-deserved vacations. Our healthcare uh, professionals throughout the province work hard and long hours. So, you know, they deserve their vacation uh, just as much or more than, than anybody. Um, you know, so it's, it's the summer hours, the vacation hours. It is the fact that globally there's a shortage of, of healthcare professionals. Uh, every province in Canada is competing, uh, and other provinces are, are facing very similar challenges in, in terms of keeping their emergency departments open. So, you know, we've put in retention bonuses, we've put in other incentives uh, for our healthcare disciplines. So, we're still working with our, our bargaining units uh, for further incentives to their members. Um, we are working on, on more permanent recruitment as opposed to locums and interns uh, to fill in uh, the, the blanks. Um, you know, we've asked physicians and, and other health professionals uh, to fill in in locations where the Category B sites are, and they've stepped up to the plate. But they can't always do that. There are times that there are gaps. Uh, you know, so in terms of Bonavista, as an example, um, you know, we are... Uh, we feel very certain that we've got uh, a replacement uh, position out there on a more permanent basis. We're just waiting, you know, to, to go through that process with that individual. But that's one example. Each one of the locations, whether it's Harbour Breton or Bell Island uh, or, you know, uh, the, the uh, Bonavista, for example, every one of our Category B sites, we are looking at more permanent solutions. Um, you know, the, the Premier is constantly focused. He is sending, uh, you know, sending messages constantly or, or calling me constantly uh, with potential solutions, with, you know, uh, potential individuals that can fill in. We've got our recruitment office that are focused on recruitment in these areas. Uh, I'm reaching out to healthcare professionals as well. Um, we are looking at uh, medevac, improving our medevac on a more permanent basis. Uh, you know, we're looking at what that looks like uh, to provide a better service throughout the province. But on a shorter term basis, we're looking at a helicopter so that when we have a site on diversion, um, that will be available. And we're hoping to be able to make a formal announcement on that 
you know, within the next uh, couple of days. Uh, we are working with a provider to uh, to be able to provide that so that, you know, again, we're using Bonavista as an example, but, you know, Bonavista is an hour and a half drive from Clarenville. If we've got a helicopter medevac service, uh, that will allow us to get that patient from Bonavista to Clarenville much, much faster if Bonavista is on diversion. And, I mean, how sustainable is it to offer air service by helicopter in lieu of ambulance or in lieu of uh, emergency room services? Well, the first, the primary focus is on keeping the emergency rooms open. Uh, we have to keep these emergency departments operating and open, but you need staff to do that. And, you you know, when when every province is looking for staff, it becomes harder and harder to find those staff. But I can t- assure you that the recruitment staff uh, throughout the province, and in particular the new office opened by the Premier in the Department of Health, uh, responsible for recruitment, that is their sole focus. But, you know, as a contingency, if a if an emergency department is on diversion, we want to ensure that we're doing everything we can to look after the, the health of uh, the the individuals if they are diverted from from uh, their facility to the the nearest facility. And speaking of diversions, in the here and now, as we have these wildfires burning in Central, I know that the plan would be to because the highway is closed as of now, would be to fly people back and forth. But I mean, the smoke could hamper that. So, what do you say to people in Harbor Breton who have this concern, Con River, the whole area? It is a concern. I mean, that's something that, you know, I know that the the individuals fighting that fire are doing the best they can, but, you know, it's hard to control. And it, it, it's hard to control these these events such as fires, obviously. Yes. Uh, in fact, those are, are situations that are outside our control. So when something like that happens, we just do the best we can to put plans in place to try to mitigate. And even those plans may change on a daily basis based on how the f- the fire is reacting and, and the success of those that are fighting the fire. Minister, I'd also like to tell you about uh, earlier this week I was doing streeters for VOCM, so that means you're out on the street speaking with people, and a woman flagged me down, and she didn't, she wasn't ready to go on record, because a lot of times, I guess, if you have health care concerns, speaking out publicly also involves revealing details about your health that you may not want out there. But she did want me to know that she had spent some time in the emergency room at the Health Sciences Center here in St. John's. And I mean, she obviously wasn't coming down on the nurses or the paramedics, but she could see the strain and and it was coming through in the way she was being treated as a patient. And she she wasn't getting the care that she thought, you know, she was expecting. So what can you do right now as Minister of Health to sort of address the absolute overwhelming stress that our health care providers are dealing with? Part of the answer is listening to our frontline workers. And I took the opportunity um, about two weeks ago. I actually went in, um, you know, an unscheduled visit to speak with frontline staff in the emergency department. you know, to get ideas on how we can improve services there. Uh, they they presented a number of ideas uh, that, you know, uh, I spoke with Eastern Health on uh, on those ideas, and we will work on, on, you know, very good ideas on how to streamline services, how to have people waiting lists, uh, you know, how to ensure that the, the flow of patients 
is is moving more smoothly uh, and that that's those are suggestions that can be put in place uh, with or without additional staff but obviously we need to to look at additional staff because uh, our frontline workers as I say need additional bodies side by side with them working with them to ease the burden uh, you know that they're they're filling in the gaps and and doing you know providing a, a, a fantastic service putting the the health of people and, and patients first and foremost um, and we recognize that but we do want to provide the additional resources to help them do that we've got a couple of minutes here minister and i just wanted to put this in front of you as well i saw something fly by my social media feeds i it might have been the globe mail it could have been national i don't know but it was a, a federal a federal entity in terms of news and they were saying gosh it could have even been out of the states they were saying that some of the issues when it comes to retention and recruiting healthcare professionals across the globe is uh is is covid restrictions are still in place so you must be vaccinated you must have all of these other criteria i mean is that an issue in newfoundland and labrador or were our vaccination rates so high that that's really not coming into play our vaccination rates are exceptionally high in this province especially compared to to other locations in the states right um you know our healthcare staff and professionals have a very high rate of vaccination uh, for example, so that hasn't hindered us as it has in in some places where there are restrictions and and uh, you know uh, certain people are not getting vaccinated, uh, certain certain numbers of the population are not getting vaccinated. Um, it, it's certainly less of a concern here, but you know with with protocols that were put in place during the pandemic, uh, it put additional pressures on whether you are in healthcare or education yeah. or the service industry or media or media <laughs> you know um, you know the the additional protocols certainly added to add an an extra layer uh, of uh, pressures on on everybody Minister, before you go, I would like to ask, it seems like everything that you've told me, you're still kind of getting a sense and a feel for everything within your portfolio. When do you expect to move from being reactive to proactive in terms of solutions? Uh, I think, you know, we hit the ground running. And yes, I mean, it's a large department, uh, you know, uh, a great deal to, to learn, uh, obviously, uh, in the department. Uh, any time a minister takes a new portfolio or, you know, any time a deputy minister steps into a new portfolio, there is a certain level of drinking from a fire hose, so mm -hmm. to speak. However, we have been proactive in hitting the ground running. We've put in place, you know, whether it's the incentives for our healthcare workers uh, or other initiatives to try and, and ease the diversions, uh, you know, we are being proactive. Um, that is a challenge when there is a shortage of healthcare professionals globally, uh, but we are being proactive. And I think, you know, uh, people will uh, see that we are easing some of the pressures. Um, you know, it, this will not be fixed overnight because of the constraints on recruitment and retention because of the global shortage. Uh, but every plank that we put in place that is a, you know, a solution will build on the larger solution, and that's what we're focused on. 
Minister Tom Osborne, I thank you so much for joining me today on On Target, and I feel like this was some meaningful conversation uh, that was non-confrontational, where we were able to hear more about where you sit as minister. No, I appreciate it, uh, absolutely, and, and the opportunity to get the messages out to the, the people of the province, I think, is important as well. Uh, you know, people are understandably concerned about health care. Uh, we've got a great deal of work to do, but, you know, I want to send the message that we are focused on finding the solutions. Thank you again. Minister Tom Osborne in the healthcare portfolio joining me today on On Target. Well, would you look at the time? That's going to do it for me. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe.